Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to It's Rainmaking Time. I'm Kim Greenhouse, and today we're doing a kind of a, a hybrid segment. It's a mixed segment that has to do with an interview and conversation, but it starts off as pure commentary. And we're going to start with the commentary part. This is about what can we learn from what happened with the Ocean Gate catastrophe. And there's been a lot of content all over the news and online, and a lot of details have come out about, you know, what really were the conditions that allowed this to happen. And it is very disturbing. It's very disturbing if you're paying attention to leadership. Uh, there's a leadership component. What happened with the leadership of OceanGate? Uh, the corporate side, the legal side, the contract side. What happened in the area of disclosure? Did the people that were on this ride that paid $250,000 to be part of this exploration and discovery, did they really know? Were they really told the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth about the materials and engineering side of what was going on? Did they really know the full danger of what they were on? Full disclosure, looking at the concept of full disclosure, looking at informed consent, looking at what it means to be a responsible leader, leader, what it means to steward a mission, a steward a cause that's so important to you. What does it mean when you're so ambitious and you're so hungry for an opportunity that you see and you have clear vision, but the manufacturing or the engineering is going to take longer than you thought, longer than you want, more money than you ever anticipated. What are you going to do? Are you going to do what the CEO of OceanGate did? Because without making it a bash on his name, I want to say this. Here's my bias of this segment. I'm very angry with him. I'm disturbed and disgusted what he did in the area of leadership, where it wasn't. I think it's totally great to pioneer, to invent, to be an entrepreneur, to have hunger and thirst and ambition and see something so clearly you just want it. But it's not okay if you drag other people along by withholding evidence that something is vitally dangerous and it's very likely they're going to lose their life and to play Russian roulette with other people's lives. And unfortunately, while at the same time I would like to tell you Stockton Rush, the founder of OceanGate, was this great explorer who had this great vision of taking adventures down to see Titanic. There was something in his consciousness, in his persona and personality, that would not allow other people to know the level of the risk that this expedition and series of expeditions really were. And so my bias is that he is accountable, fully accountable and responsible, him, for the death of those other people on board. And those other people on board, I would like to mention them. And I would like to say that uh, uh, Paul-Henri Nangelet, who was this apparent major Titanic uh, expert worldwide, done this so many times, but not in this type of submersible. Hamish Harding, who was a billionaire who went down with the rest of them, Shazana Davoud and his son Suleiman, 
And of course, Stockton Rush, the founder, chief executive officer of OceanGate and the Titan. These people, my premise of this is that these people, though they signed disclosures and consent, supposedly informed consent to go on this expedition, warned that it could be dangerous, they could die, it's risky, blah, 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 had all the verbiage. This accident, which is not an accident, it's a, it's a catastrophic uh, exploration because it was doomed from the start. And it was doomed at the contract level. It was doomed at the disclosure level. It was doomed at the stewardship level. It was doomed at the accountability level. This CEO fired internal people that told him, came to him with the evidence of the level of danger. Okay. He had over 30 people, experts from all over in this domain, and it's not a huge domain, telling him that he was playing Russian roulette, that it was beyond dangerous. It was very likely to be catastrophic. He cut corners where he shouldn't have. And I don't think it's an issue if he cut corners and he disclosed everything. We're cutting corners here. We're doing it different here. The standard is this, but we don't care. We're doing it here. He didn't do that. He bragged, braggadocious, about the fact that he bent the rules, that he broke the rules. But what he didn't disclose is the level of danger that would put everybody else in the venture with him. If he went down alone on this expedition and died, I would have said, Bravo. He was in his own test. He knew what he was dealing with. He had all the information. I do not accept that these wonderful people that went down with him, Paul-Henri Najolet, who had been down on real submarines to the Titanic, I think over 30 times. Hamish Harding, just because he's a billionaire doesn't mean he was told all the detail of what wasn't being disclosed. I don't believe Hamish Harding would have gone down knowing that the carbon fiber had never properly been tested, never properly went through a pre-testing phase, wasn't certified, that, that submersible had never, ever gone through uh, an integration of carbon fiber and titanium. And there was a lot of spin about this carbon fiber, okay? And so a scratch, a nick, a hole, could massively stress at, at the concentrations of the fiber. The window that they used was made of acrylic, said to not, it was not tested to go below 4,000 feet. So the sensors, you know, which made everybody feel like there was some emergency capability, the sensors just let people know who were inside of, uh, you know, if is there something in the hole that's cracking? Okay, so you're still going to die. You still can't get out. You can't do anything. You can get all the rest of this online. This is enough to make this thing the anatomy of a cover-up. The cover-up is that the CEO covered up the level of detail of Russian roulette and risk. These people were guinea pigs. They were lab rats. We've never had a submersible ever before use this material. Oh, by the way, this material had seen the end of its life with Boeing. It was off the shelf material that had expired. That's typically used for airplanes. 
Okay, like little detail. Instead, the way it was parlayed was, oh, we got, you know, like we got our stuff from Boeing. The people assume immediate credibility. The devil's in the details on this, ladies and gentlemen, and all ventures should be taken this way. So the transparency, the transparency was zero, zero. Okay, zero transparency. Do you think these five people would make themselves be lab rats if he told them the truth? So, I love exploration and discovery. I back it. I'm for it. I think people are brave to do it. But take your own life. Don't don't make people lab rats when you're dressing up what they really are which is, it's not just in this, it's an experiment. You're injecting them with all these capabilities of dying. You're using materials. You're absolutely defying the standards that have been proven to work in subs. So I'm upset about it. It bothers me. And I want to thank all the people before we open up and, and invite our guests. And I want to thank all of the people who wrote the letters to Stockton Rush, wrote the letters to Ocean Gate, including the agencies that reg- that are that were trying to help, I want to thank you for doing that. And I I just think this is an opportunity to integrate regulation and innovation. And most of us, you know, when you are innovating, sometimes you want you do want to break the rules. You do want to go against convention. That's fine, as long as. The people that you're taking with you know the truth about the costs, what you're really deal, what they're really dealing in. Okay, it's like taking a material and telling them that it could get hot when it's really flammable. Okay, there's a difference. You know, could get hot is not the same as it's flammable. You could blow up. Okay, D- using this improperly, very different. So the whole thing about the carbon fiber and the titanium mixed together. That was never tested over time and advised against. So it's one thing to be a maverick, and it's another thing to be a total reckless person who doesn't care that all he or she cares about is their ambition. And that's the lesson of Ocean Gate that ambition, okay, and persona and the ego did get the best of not only the founder but took other people's lives. So the other opportunity of this session is that we're going to talk about these issues, but we're going to also talk about the fascinating area of search and rescue, search and rescue, because it occurred to me, knowing what I know with the people I've interviewed and met in my life in both dousing and controlled remote viewing, that if search and rescue at the level of the civilian realm would adopt dousing and controlled remote viewing, we would see a whole other level of results, a whole other level of success that couldn't even be imagined. I've invited Lynn Buchanan, the owner of Problem Solutions Innovations, one of the master controlled remote viewers who trained with Project Stargate and has trained people all over the world and has teams at his fingertips, people he's worked with, people he is you know, actually uh, keeping a database for in terms of their success, to come on the show and talk with me about a lot of sensitive areas, including 
how it is that the Navy had acoustic technology that picked up this event, this catastrophic implosion, and yet we didn't hear about it until many days after the actual event, when in fact it is reported to have happened an hour and 45 minutes into the dive. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back, Lynn Buchanan, to It's Rainmaking Time. Hello there. Hello there. Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for coming back. Thanks for coming back. I guess the first thing I want to ask you is the following, and I want to I want to tease this out a little bit. An entire almost week went by, or four or five days before the public got a chance to know that you know uh, Ocean Gate that Titan imploded, and yeah. that the Navy knew in about an hour and forty five minutes in. Okay, and so I'd like you to share with the public a little bit about. How that, how, first of all, there's a lot of the public that will say, how do they know, you know, on the acoustic level? Now, there are technologies in the ocean. Talk about what you are, in, you are allowed to talk about, because I know you have, you know, classified material you can't, but what you can talk about that is fairly known. Well, you know, uh, a, a whale goes more and it can be heard 100 miles away, uh, you know, picked up sonically a hundred miles away an implosion like that takes place yeah it's going to be heard by you know by the uh people who are studying the ocean and uh, and so the technology that's involved uh is actually not that complex uh it's just um oh uh, did you a say boat. it's a? Is it a buoy? A buoy? Um, what is it there, exactly? There are things called sono buoys. That, uh, sono called, buoys. <laughs> sono buoys. Yeah, that um, <laughs> will um, be placed in the water, and they put a ping, and they get an echo back, and uh, they use these for submarine tracking, and they could have used it for this submarine tracking too. And um, they put an array of those, and they have a computer that takes the signals that come back to them and simply locate where any anything that causes sound or, uh, you know, and on the, <clears throat> excuse me, on the uh, sonar boys, they have a ping that goes and records the echo. And so a submarine goes silent, like they say in the movies, uh, so that they don't generate sound that can be picked up. This is this is water radar. <laughs> it's just like Got a it. radar signal. Interesting. And so whether they're whether they've gone silent, whether they're standing still or not, you can still. That's fascinating. Them. Even in, if they've gone silent, that's fascinating. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the technology is there. Now, who's going to put sonar boys out in the ocean uh, like that? Uh, OceanGate should have put them there. That is very smart. Yeah. I wonder if they thought they could. Well, I'm sure the engineers knew it. Um, I, mean, I mean, is this a known thing out in the water? Is yeah, this known at a Navy part. level? You, 
Yes, yeah, it's, it's not, not that developed, that but it's right. It's been used for how long? Do you think? Oh, decades, decades. Yeah, and it's not. Are they expensive? Specific. Think I'll get one for my bathtub. Oh, <laughs> tell me something that's not expensive. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, it, it, the the Ocean Gate expedition. This expedition was about cutting costs and showing yeah. what could be done, no matter what, no yeah. matter what, right? Yeah. So. The other thing is that uh, before we get into a whole thing about policy and the complexity of policy when you have to deal with military mm -hmm. and agency and yes. civilian catastrophes and casualties. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. But uh, at the level of disclosure from the captain – from the CEO to the crew. It, it, it Tell me your thoughts about this. Do you actually think that those five people, I know that there was a, a guy with his son, right, yeah. from Pakistan, mm -hmm. and the son was terrified, but the I don't believe the father would have risked his son's life if he knew the detail. I, I don't mean, believe these no. people are stupid. No. And it's just like, uh, it's not that much different from you go into a doctor and you sign this thing and nobody reads it, uh, you know, but if you do read it, it says, you know, there's always a danger that something can go wrong. And right. you basically wave your rights. You wave your rights. What you're signing is, you know, I swear that if I, that if the doctor kills me, it's not his fault. That's what you're signing. And, uh, and so all of these <laughs> uh, these disclosure agreements like that uh, conformed in sense. Uh, they you give your you give your consent that you will do something. You're never fully informed. No, you're not fully informed. But for example, in this particular instance, on a whole systems level. Okay, in a stewardship model, you would have a contract that could cover your organization. OceanGate had legitimate oh, yeah. concerns. Even, even let's say everything was adhered to in terms of using the standards that have worked before that are successful, that are right. less risky. They still had, you know, they, they would still have to have an informed consent form signed and people would need to know it's an exploration it's risky we're going down very deep and the pressures are incredible okay got that but in this case if if a company is is having individuals become guinea pigs and lab rats and they are bypassing the standards they are bypassing safety standards that are that have been working for years I think they need a different kind of contract. And to all your lawyers out there, oh, yeah. for exploration and discovery in the sea, in anything, this is an opportunity to deepen, distill, and enhance contracts so that actually they're they're fair. They're fair and they're honest and they have uh they have integrity and they have honor. I agree. You know, 
Oh, uh, so no done. full disclosure happened. Is the hard part. <laughs> getting that done. Well, I believe that there. You know what? I think there are lawyers that are out there who could do it. Let me give you an example. This was a submersible, not a submarine. Right. Okay. It had a different a different connotation. It was larger. It was a different cylindrical size. Uh, the way it was shaped. Um, you know, he used uh, construction pipes as ballast. He used carbon fiber that was, not, you know, uh, not pre-tested over time. Any scratch or niche or hole could cause, you know, huge stress concentrations going down to those kind of pressures. He used acrylic for window, the window to look out of instead of uh, anything else, it was not certified to go before 4,000 feet, yet Titanic right. sat at 12,000 feet. Um, he had mixed material. He was warned against it, not only by inside staff that was fired. He was warned against using it by a lot of prominent people in this space, specifically submersibles and submarines and uh, the ocean in general. Um, it, it, you know, so... And this is um, this is like serious, but there's so many elements of this in which the CEO was warned. And I know, and I know as good as I can see you right now, that these people were not told the detail. Here's what full disclosure would look like. Lynn, I'm taking you on Titan 2. I want you to know, I know you're an explorer. This is going to be very exciting. We're going to go to the Titanic. However... We're using totally different materials, and it's very risky. It's playing Russian roulette with your life, literally. We're supposed to not go down past 4,000 feet with the kind of acrylic window we have. We're doing it anyway. It's We're warned against doing it. I would have sat everybody down and said, well, gentlemen, this is where it's at. This is what you're really getting in. And as You a tell me. And as a billionaire, I would say, well, in that case, I'll contact Jacques Cousteau. <laughs> I ain't going in your machine, you know. And yeah, that's, <laughs> I need a I, I need an acoustic buoy immediately. How much are they? I'll get them. But <laughs> but I, I'm just saying this is what full disclosure looks like. It's in writing. This is what we're doing different. This is this is what the standard is. We're doing this. Are you up for it? It's dangerous. It's not just dangerous that we're going down. Mm -hmm. It's dangerous because what we're doing, the way we're doing it is dangerous. Are you in? I don't believe one of them would have went. Not I one. So either. No, I okay. doubt it. I mean, the pressure, they're going down 13,000 feet. By the time they get down there, they're at 32 degrees temperature inside. Yeah. Okay. At 23,000 pounds of pressure plus the buoyancy force of the ocean. I mean, you know, so yeah. this is this is this is what they were really dealing with. So number one, no full disclosure. Uh, this is an opportunity to reform what? S disclosure in contracts. Disclosure and contracts. This is the opportunity of the Ocean Gate catastrophe. Speaking from dealing with detectives, which it, I do, okay? 
I would have to ask the question, and it won't be asked, because in order to get it answered, you have to get all that debris and rescue it and bring it back. Was there something that as they got on the ship to go on, somebody may have made a scratch? You have to ask if this is intentional. Any detective would. And and so, you know, uh, that question will never be asked because it can't be answered. And uh, But any good detective would ask that question. Uh, you have a billionaire who runs mega industries in a country. I think uh, he's German. You're talking about uh, Hamish Harding. I don't know anything yeah. about him. Yeah. So, but yeah, go uh, ahead. Uh, you know, the old saying, never let a good disaster go to waste. If he died, there are people who can make millions of money, millions of dollars of money off of that. And so Would people say you're from, skeptical talking like that or it's real. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, like I say, I get this from the detectives that uh, investigate cases. And um, the question would have to be asked. I don't think it was the case. I think the thing was doomed to failure to begin with. But uh, the question would have to be asked, couldn't be answered. And so the thing is, <clears throat> uh, the question comes up that you've asked several times, if they knew about it a few hours later, why did it take so long to get to the public? I'd like you to address that, please. Okay. Since you have a background in the military and you were in a unit in the military, Project Stargate, correct? Was it Stargate no. or not? Oh, okay. Stargate was one of our iterations, yeah. One of them, right. And for those of you who don't know much about Lynn, Lynn is really one of the top, not only controlled remote viewers in the world, but one of the top trainers in the world and at the level of... Not just black belt, but ninja level trainers. Trainers, and he has people that are absolutely phenomenal on his team. So I, I'd like to—I'd like you to address that question, please. Okay, um, the information is known. Okay, there are protocols for information, and that information has to go up to the chain of command to a person who can then disseminate it to. Uh, to the media or whatever. Now, anywhere along that chain of command, there can be a delay, okay? And uh, during that delay, of course, other countries are sending out planes and ships and everything else, and the public doesn't, you know, doesn't know where, doesn't have the information of where the ship, where the wreckage is, or that there was an implosion and the information sits on somebody's desk for a while. But then that person comes in, he looks at the information and he says, wait a minute, there's a mega billionaire on that ship who owns all these industries. If he dies suddenly, that's going to have economic implications for that country the implications are going to cause political implications. And so 
what do we do in this situation so that it doesn't cause chaos, panic, and, you know, the collapse of an economy and all of this? And these things get considered. And so many times, information like that, which could be given, has implications that say that, you know, giving out this information is could be disastrous. So what do we do with the information? And, but wouldn't uh, it be just as disastrous, like for in this instance that you're describing, or this scenario that you're describing, instead of saying it that day, you know, or a few hours after the event, when they got the acoustic information, they said it four or five days after. What's So it's still out. Well, yeah, but when they got the information that there was an implosion, they knew they were dead. There, there was no, you know, you implode something down there. There's no air left. Uh, you know, they knew. I don't know that you're left <laughs> at that point. And uh, and the thing is that uh, these implications. You now, if it had been just five tourists on board, that you know were just Joe Smith off the street and all that. The information would probably come out immediately, but the implications of of industry leaders, political leaders, and stuff like that is going to have ramifications all through a society. And so many times, this information is held back when it gets to the news, when it gets to the media. Okay. There are a million things going on that are newsworthy in the world every single day. Somebody at every single station or media outlet is the point got, person has got to pick 10 things that will be on the 30 minute news that night. Okay. And so they go through and they pick out things, you know, uh, if if we if we report this, is it going to cause rioting in the streets? You know, if we report this, will it will it have an effect on on the business that's located in our community and things like this? And these decisions are made, and they take time. And uh, it's very rare, I think, that the news ever gets to the public as it happens. Yeah, and also um, there we. If you're speaking about this at the detail at which you are, it brings home the fact that the rating system oh, and yeah. getting ratings and ad ad dollars is massive incentive to air this thing versus that thing, and this thing then versus that thing, and to draw mm -hmm. things out that may not needed to be drawn out. Right. Uh -huh. Speaking of the part of this whole of series of events in which all the search and rescue teams were called and many came from all over the world. Talk to the public about the fact that hundreds and millions of dollars were spent. All this infrastructure was brought in when in fact controlled remote viewing and another tool, dousing, in combination, right. mm -hmm. could have expedited the direction 
as to what had the direction of where the submersible was in its current state, 13,000 feet below the sea, you know, below the water. This this has been proven. uh, That would have been fast. You would have known that very fast. And also what happened? A plane went down with an atomic warhead on it. Several, a U.S. plane had an atomic warhead on it that was classified. And uh, several countries knew about it, and they were all searching. Uh, One of the military uh, uh, people doing this uh, located it within a very short time, got out, and uh, the atomic warhead was recovered by the U.S. before anybody else with all of their spy and sky satellites and all of their radar and everything else could even find it. Uh, when that the, amazing? Uh, That's amazing. Yeah. Isn't when it? When the helicopters went down that were going to rescue the hostages in Kuwait, uh, we knew about it and got the information off the chain of command 10 minutes before the Marines could radio it to command. We got the information there first. And, uh, and told them where the helicopters were and all that. And uh, we've done a lot of that. And it's been it's been proven. There are documentations showing that uh, the work we did. Now, let me tell you, we are highly trained, okay? Uh, somebody who says, I can douse or I'm psychic, uh, you got to prove it, okay? Uh, so we database, we document, we record, we analyze, we, you know, uh, we would not use anybody who wasn't absolutely proven uh, over and over and over. And uh, this is one of the reasons that police and other agencies don't use psychics because Probably 99.999% of them just say, I'm psychic, so you're supposed to believe me. And they don't have track records. They don't have database proof. They haven't been analyzed. And uh, they don't have documentation. Psychics uh, may be mad at you for saying this, but I understand what you're saying. I'm I'm mad at them. And so I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. Talk to the public uh, just to give at least a minute or two or three about what is controlled remote viewing okay. and then afterward, what is dousing from your experience and expertise? Oh, mm-hmm. Please. Uh, controlled remote viewing uh, is a psychophysical situation, uh, a mental physical situation uh, that is quite a bit like a martial art with the mind. Let me give you an example. A top black belt ninja is trained in what's called sake no jitsu, and that is they're trained to be completely aware of 360 degrees around them. One of my, one of my students was an eighth level black belt ninja. Uh, <laughs> Scary I guy. wouldn't want to rub him the wrong way. <laughs> we were walking down the hallway one day, and I was walking behind him, 
And I thought, I only thought, okay, I wonder if I could tap him on the back and him not, and, you know, surprise him by doing that. Without missing a step, he didn't even turn around or anything. He just said, and it echoed in the hallway, you know, try it and I might break your arm. Oh, my God. I only thought it. I didn't (laughs) do anything. I only thought it. Wow. And uh, the human mind is capable of doing these things. And so uh, English Swan invented a protocol for training people to develop their mind to that point. It was further developed at, um, at Stanford, Stanford Research. Research. Yeah, Stanford Research Institute International. And uh, then it was moved over into the military, who actually put it into practice in, in actual real-world situations and further trained it and honed it. Uh, to the point where, uh, you know, it would be possible to draw the floor plans of a building where a hostage was being held so that the rescuers could know how to go in and rescue the hostage without getting killed. And, um, you know, drawing the floor plans of a building that... It's pretty amazing. Yeah. that That's at a high, a very high level of controlled remote viewing, though. That That's somebody who's... Level. Yeah, yeah, it's a very high level. And this you find remote viewing training on the internet and we'll teach you to be a world class remote viewer in four days. Uh it's not going to happen, people. It's not. Uh the four it's days. It's like people will... thinking it's like people thinking, you know, in, in sports, you know, I'm gonna be oh, yeah. X by X time. I was a tournament tennis player for thirteen years and I know what oh, it yeah. is to get to a certain level. And it yeah, doesn't just hard. snap. It doesn't yeah. just snap, boom. Yeah. I think the the understanding of how to use the protocol and the training can mm-hmm. be a repetitive thing that you follow and do, but the actual training at the effectiveness of applying the methods, yeah, you know, that's the, that's the time. Oh that yeah, it takes time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So talk about so, the, but also I just want to clarify with the audience that in controlled remote viewing, you can literally find out a lot about anything, whether it's a lot, whether someone's alive or not, where their body is, where they, where an event in time and space happened, right? Past or present? I don't know about the future. I'm not sure about that. Uh, the future, we can predict things as they will happen as things are now. Okay. But then with that information, you can give that information to someone who will change the situation. Uh, and we've done that many times. Uh, and drug, drug things will say, okay, this drug shipment is coming across and it is going to Chicago. But we tell when it's coming across, the drug interdiction people catch it, and it never goes to Chicago. So were we were we wrong? Now, it's it's not. It's very much akin. It's to tricky. A, <laughs> the present tricky, part. The future is tricky. Very much akin to a weatherman who says the weather tomorrow will be, or next week will be, and then he has continual updates because things change in the future. You know. Sure. So let me ask you something. I wanted to, I wanted to I don't want to steer us too far off because I do want you to tell the audience about dowsing and how we use it in search yeah. and rescue. Um but 
when I interviewed you many years ago, I think it was 2010, and it was audio only, you yeah. spoke about, I think I asked you about a 2025. Did you ever remote view that? And what did you see? And you answered on that. I, I don't know if you want to talk about that now, but if, you, if everybody listening, if you would like to hear it, you can listen to that interview with Lynn. But basically, um, you gave a you gave your translation of having done the controlled remote viewing. It had to do with agriculture, the state of, of the United States. Here's the thing, Lynn. I thought about this a lot with you, and what you what you shared. It's happening. It's happening. It's each, happening. Each thing we found so far is happening in the order we found it, and we will do anything we can. To change that because it leads to some it's pretty terrible. Yeah. yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to listen to my interview with Lynn Buchanan, not only in 2010 where he shares 2025 where the U.S. will be. It is very chilling. Uh, it's very disturbing, and it looks like we're th running a, th a thousand miles an hour. What's happening? So, this is not to be. Uh, uh, a scary thing, but it's a it's a thing that if you look around in life, what's happening? It's happening, it's yeah. happening. So tune into that. Anything else you want to say about that particular thing? No, oh yes, the dowsing. Yeah, yeah. Before we get to the dowsing, one other okay. thing. Now, in this particular instance of you sharing what you got in the controlled remote viewing session that allowed you to see what you described in 2025. Now. We can do what we can to change that, yes. anything you can to change that. We still have a say about potentiating a different reality. Yes. And yet you pick that up so with so much articulation. How the heck would we change it since it's a collective thing? It's being done by a lot of different players around the world. Well, our, the articulation of it, you know, uh, <clears throat> Okay, and all of that, <clears throat> excuse me, there was the uh, climate changes. The climate changes are natural. However, the climate changes are also being expedited very strongly by human interaction. So the fact that it's a natural thing doesn't stop us from saying, yeah, but we can do something about it. And uh, and the climate change, uh, Arizona. Okay, the Arab nations are out in the desert. They have already eliminated all of their underwater supply. They're pulling three thousand gallons of water out of Arizona every hour, twenty-four hours oh my, a day. Oh my and God! Them. And the uh, water level of the entire basin there in the uh, west is sinking fast and uh, the west is drying out. As it dries out, the plants go away. As the plants go, go away, the wind whips things. Uh, uh, it's a chain reaction, the, basically. The this is an example. Hotter. As the heat gets hotter there, that hot air can force any moist air around flood other places, it's all happening. And it's all it's all recordable and it's all right there in front of us. 
hey, stop pulling water out of Arizona. That's all we now have in this, do. in this particular case, you're using you're using an example of an example, yeah, of, of man-made. It's man-made, but it's being it's being stuff is being perpetrated by mankind by it's a by human beings. It's a man-made natural disaster. Natural disaster. It's a distinction. You say this with distinction. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, Lynn gets into this, and Lynn and I get into it pretty yeah. sparringly <laughs> uh, on uh, the real Stargate. It's a uh, audio and video segment we did together. I really love that segment, by the way, too, very oh, much. And um, just to clarify my position, I put in a little animation in for you. <laughs> and a little write-up. Remember that write-up <laughs> with the music? Anyway, so, yeah, that's an example. So coming back to to search and rescue, yeah. talk to talk to the audience about dousing okay. and how what it is how it would be used to rescue the the uh, titan mm -hmm. and ocean gates debris field and to have yeah. found out where they were right away yeah uh first of all they had all that those ships and planes and everything else looking the debris field was 1600 feet from the titanic i mean come on you know uh, not that hard to find, but uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> dowsers, just like remote viewers, need to be documented, databased, and all that. Because listen, there are some dowsers out there who are fantastically accurate. I mean, really good. I've met them. I've met for, several of them. And for every one. There are probably a hundred or more who who aren't good at all and who are messing up the reputation of those who are good. And I think here again, there needs to be documented proof. There needs to be something, you know, the the general public says psychics know that it didn't work, it's all it's all this and all. It's been scientifically proven. It's been documented. However, the documentation gets ignored because that's just fairy tale and all that, you know. And the scientific documentation is squeaky clean. I mean, it's it's squeaky clean scientifically, and uh, but there's not enough of it. And we need people. We need scientists who are supposed to look at things they don't understand and dissolve and resolve them, who are ignoring this. And uh, It's a tragedy, and I'll tell you something else. I'm sorry no. to interrupt here, Lynn, but to say to you that I've met a handful of water dowsers who specialize in finding water, yeah. who are accurate, yeah. who can tell you how far down to drill, uh, when to stop, Mm -hmm. What's in the water? Mm -hmm. Is it recoverable? Is it clean? Is it drinkable? Can it be cleaned even? Yeah. And very different, very different. And so it is it is a it is a huge training, although I will say in my experience, um, you have to train in dowsing too differently. Oh, I mean, I would say yes, controlled remote yeah. viewing is way more way more complex, way more vast 
to me. No, it it seems more yeah. vast. It Whereas is. you can get very good quicker mm-hmm. practicing dousing the right way and documenting. You agree? Yeah. Do you agree with yeah. me on that? I agree totally. Yeah. So talk about the dousing in a map. So let's take this example of where is the Titan? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Um, there are many, many, many methods of dowsing. A lot of people use a pendulum to see where it is. Okay. And uh, some people use a pendulum and they'll sector a map into four squares and say, is it in this square? Yes or no? This square? Yes or no? If they get a yes, they'll sector that into four. They find the one, sector that into four, and they narrow it down. Other dowsers will will just see where the pendulum seems to stop on a map. Other dowsers will take a pendulum and put it at one corner, see which way it swings, draw a line, put it in another corner, see which way it swings, draw a line, put it on the side, see which way it swings, and you wind up with a tiny triangle in the middle because none of them are totally accurate. And uh, then the target you're looking for is generally located within that triangle, if they're good. Now, and, isn't there also a protocol in the training for dowsing that you utilize yeah. where you can identify how many miles or how many feet or how many yard like the, the because you can look at something on a map. Like I've looked, yeah. I've done map dowsing. I, I've looked at something on a map and I can get a general area of the map. Yeah. But uh-huh. the map always, you got to really know what you're doing in terms of like, is it 100 miles? Is it, is it 200 miles? Is it 50 right. miles? Is it a mile? Yeah. To know, uh-huh. to zero in on finding a thing, right? English Swan invented, well, developed a uh, methodology for doing this. It's called a timeline. And, uh, and talk it about works. it. Okay. A timeline. Um, is another form of dowsing, okay? You uh, you want to know the time of year, time when something happened, and you know it was sometime between 1950 and 2000. So you draw a line, you put 1950 on one end, 2000 on the other end, and you take a good, good dowser, and they feel okay. along it. For the point in time when that happened, they mark it, and then you generally know when it happened. And this timeline is something that uh, can also be used for many things. Ingo, Ingo developed this for many, many things. This um, sounds incredible, actually. Is this like the timeline in controlled remote viewing, too? Kind of like where you feel no, the that's timeline? What it is. Yeah. Oh, it and is? Okay. It okay. Is. And, uh, I haven't seen it in hardly any other thing besides controlled remote viewing. It was Ingo Swan's development. And uh, uh, you can put, uh, Wow. how happy will I be if I marry this woman 10 years from now? Misery. <laughs> Ecstasy. <laughs> Dows along at 10 years from now. Oh, right here. <laughs> yeah. Right here, near ecstasy. Good. Right down here by misery. Hey, don't marry the woman. <laughs> yeah. But the dowsing, they're dowsing with a a tool, correct? Or are they dowsing at this point with their finger with on their the finger. timeline? Their finger is the tool. So it's uh, electromagnetic, you, electromagnetic no, practice. No, no, it's not. 
It's How are a, they feeling it? It's a sensory physical thing. And we've okay. seen that um, they say, gotcha. for instance, uh, uh, I'm feeling for a hot spot. Okay. And uh, we found that the subconscious mind will actually raise the temperature and put the sensory feelings of heat at the right spot if it's trained to do that. And uh, many people, in fact, that use the hot spot won't use their finger. Where do you test the baby's milk? Right here. They oh, will take pulse. the wrist and put it over the line because the wrist is more sensitive to heat than the finger is. And uh, Fascinating. it is a sensory, Fascinating. physical, it's a martial art. Wow. So using the combined practices of controlled remote viewing and dousing. Yeah. And let's say you don't have, like, people around the world are not controlled remote viewers, but they do have access to dousing. Okay. They do mm -hmm. have, like, a quicker. If they can't, get, you know, they're, they obviously, I'm saying in the search and rescue thing, oh, yeah. people are going to make a... Dowsing is very fast. Yeah, yeah. fast. So... So you could have known, would you have done the dowsing for uh, locating the Ocean Gate to Titan? No. Okay. You Would you have had, you had someone on your team do it? Yeah. I look in the okay. database and I find people who are more, who are way far better at dowsing than I am. I'm okay. not going to do it. I'm going to give right. it to them. Yeah. And, you know, the database will be truthful with you. And I look in the database, somebody comes to me with a remote viewing thing, a uh, remote viewing task. I look in the database, and I see that whatever information they want, I'm really bad at getting. I admit that I'm bad at getting, and I find somebody who's better than me. And we have a community this way. And uh, It's great. And, and we share the task, we share the work, and all that. So, in terms of the chain of command now, and in terms in terms of both chain of command, military structures, corporate structures, organizational structures, search and rescue. When it, there's there's obviously agency level things of search and rescue, but there's sure. also civilian search and rescue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. There are a lot of people that go missing in the national forest. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. And there are a lot of people that are never found, even right. disappeared like out of, like within seconds from their right. own family. That's a whole other phenomenon. We're not talking about that per se. But in terms of search and rescue, if a civilian's family member called you, would you take the case on or would you help expedite the case? Because obviously if you're out in the, mountain, you know, national forest, no. that's also dangerous. We would take the case on, but not for the family. Uh, first of How all, How does it work? Uh, presidential Order 1233 uh, uh, has regulations on spying on U.S. citizens, you know, and uh, That so, certainly hasn't stopped some of our big agencies from doing well, no, it. Of course not, but, uh, you know, they're probably the in on this approval. conversation too. Hello, you everybody. Have, you have to have authorized <laughs> approval. So, 
for one thing, uh, if like a child goes missing, we can gather information. If we give it to the family, it puts them on an emotional roller coaster and they attack the police for not finding it and the police have their own methods. And, and so sometimes they will say, well, if the police aren't doing it fast enough, I'm going to go out and do it. And they trample evidence and, you know, it just winds up a disaster. Also, let's say we have a missing person, okay? And it's, mm -hmm. it's a, there's a real need to find that missing person. Yeah, and time sensitive. Now, that's one case. Another case, we have a missing person, and that person wants to be missing. He wants to get away from everything, okay? We do the same work, but instead of being rescued, it winds up that we have invaded personal privacy, which is against the law. There's another thing. There's a missing person. And that person happens to be running from danger for his life. We find that person and report it. Somebody goes out and kills him. Now then, we're involved in a murder case. And so, you know... The, There's a big ethics involved in, in what you're doing. Huge ethics involved and also the legal spider web of it. It's just, it's a minefield. It really is. And so we have to be very careful. Um, so in, in the case of a search and rescue of a civilian, let's say I mm -hmm. go climb, I don't know what mountain, I'll probably get up about 20 feet. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> let's say at 20 feet I disappear. Oh, Who's to call let me you? Give, let me the friends you of mine, little... family members call you? Do, do, who? The let rangers you call a, you? I'll give you a mountain in Russia. You better find me, a son of a gun. Go ahead. Biazimini. Okay. Where's that? Biazimini <laughs> in Russian means it doesn't have a name. And so oh, I like that. we don't know what mountain. <laughs> it's a mountainous but, mountain. But the uh, the news will report, oh, he was climbing on Mount Biazimini. Okay. And for the public, thinks they know where he is. The fact is they have no idea. And so, uh, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're lost on that mountain. Okay. Yeah, and I'm mad because I'm I don't know what happened. I walked twenty feet, twenty yards, and I'm gone. And you're still lost. Yeah, and you may fall. I'm into lost. Place. Yeah. Somebody with me who's laughing and thinking I'm playing a prank waits yeah. a few hours, and it's now dark. What yeah. happens? The Rangers does he or she go back to the Rangers? Is anybody helping me? <laughs> well, you know, let's say they call me. Okay. I'm going to find out who's in charge of finding that person. If nobody's been called to find that person, we're the call. We've got a missing person. But we go through the official uh, channels. Channels? Is yes. that political or is that for, to expedite the best That's results legal. or both? That's legal. Okay, it's a legal okay. issue. It's I legal, but also... If you work for the family, you take the chance that the family is going to go running up the mountain and they're all going to get killed. <laughs> and so, yeah, you work through the channels. You work through the official channels. But doesn't that take longer And for search and rescue? Isn't that like time is it of does. the essence, though? It does, yeah. 
But isn't that a isn't that a block to to maybe getting there as quick as possible? I think you'll find that legal channels are a block to almost anything. You yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a bit snappy, but it's a good point. It's <laughs> true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah you want true. to get anything done. You know, you want to get a piece of paper uh, so that you can make a, you know, uh, transfer of my property on death. You go to an office, you stand in line for 30 minutes, you get a piece of paper, you take it, then you have to have a lawyer sign it, then you have to go, you know, pay to turn it in, and then they file it, and a month later, it becomes official. What if you die in that month? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, anything to do with the law is it's going to slow down. It grinds slowly. Yeah. Basically, innovation requires totally different kinds of contracts, agreements. In most cases, tell me if you agree with this or not, like the standard, let's just say the standard agreement for going down in a submersible, mm-hmm. you know, obviously is informed consent. But it's very likely if there are dangers beyond the obvious, like with the, with the with the vehicle itself and the materials it's using, it wouldn't it would need to be put into an agreement. Okay. Yeah. For that kind of innovation, that kind of exploration and discovery, which I said earlier. Yeah. But there is, I think, a way to have the use of there are times I've seen where standards can block the flow of and the circulation of new life in an industry or in an area. They can Absolutely, literally stomp yeah. it out. Like yeah. let me give you a, a let me give you a very serious example. The SEC has blocked by its very nature and its laws and its stronghold on new business. And anything concerning raising money, yeah. they blocked everything for since its beginning. So you can go out and you can buy an expensive car beyond your means. You can go out and you can gamble in Vegas or wherever and blow hundreds and thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. You can get everything in your existence financially except when it comes to raising money. And when it comes to raising money, okay, the SEC had the stronghold and the brokers had a stronghold on the industry as a standard for raising money. Right. And Mm -hmm. so they developed the Lehman formula, which means the more you raise, the less you get. There's all these instruments inside it and protocols and a consciousness about it, you know, the mindset. And then crowdfunding came around in 2014, and it was... You know, with, with and basically that's when the big boys and girls got into very high end crowdfunding. Yeah. Without going into a whole thing about it, crowdfunding came in as a hybrid yes. because it took a while before they could actually get in under the Securities and Exchange Commission to raise right. money. You could use this type, but they still have a huge stronghold mm-hmm. on funding. Yeah. Everything and anything funding, including crypto, until, of course, Ripple, the founder of XRP, 
took on that challenge, and congratulations to him. But standards can be protective for life and well-being, but they can mm-hmm. also be protective for terrain of the people who have the stronghold in the industry or that area. You agree? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let me give you two examples yeah. of what we sure. just talked about. Uh, the innovations. Okay. Uh, the company I formed when I got out of service, the remote viewing was still classified. Okay. I, I was doing that for police departments and the government, but totally under the radar. And, uh, and the company I formed was Problems, Solutions, Innovations. And companies that have a problem uh, with their manufacturing or something like that, they would give it to me. I would take my team and we would find the solution to the problem. Then we would continue and find, well, if that's the solution, what innovations can we get? And we would pass that back to the company. Uh, even after the remote viewing came out and we got into the remote viewing, it's heavily, we still do that with absolute total non-disclosure agreements. Okay. Uh, and because of the legalities and everything else. Sure. Now the, as far as the um, the crowdfunding, okay, uh, yeah, uh, I just about blew my life savings to buy a 120-acre ranch with buildings on it, and uh, we need to get that. I'm going to get that into a research and development center, not only for remote viewing, and the other mental arts and you know form huge formal databases for everything and uh, and find ways to actually legalize those people who are good at it and all that but also doing research into other things uh, and uh, so i have a gofundme thing and put a plug in here it's uh, the remoteviewranch.com, remoteviewranch, all one word, dot com. Uh, you can look at it and you can see it. But um, when we formed that, uh, we set up a thing where, you know, if somebody gave so much, we would have their name on the plaque or something like that. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the lawyers came back. Absolutely no, you can't do that. You can't offer anything. It has to be a donation without a reward or else you're selling something. And so we had to we had to take that out. Then we ran into other regulations. And so even the crowdfunding, yeah, it's highly, highly regulated. There are laws. It's still a stronghold. It's a real stronghold. stronghold. I mean, I thought there was another interesting piece here, Lynn, which I'm sure, I don't know if you went up against this, but a lot of the crowdfunding sites have a formula. If you set your target goal, whatever it is, 100,000, and you don't, let's say you make 98,000, they're not giving you your money. They're sending all the money, all the momentum, all the goodwill back 
That is typical finance thinking. Well, instead of using the momentum, bit, there's a little bit there. They send all that money back after they take their take a percentage, percentage out. Right, right. So that's really that is. I mean, that I spoke. I I asked a bunch of questions at a crowdfunding conference. Uh, in California before I left to go live in Europe and I was so furious at oh, yeah. what was going on and I I ended up saying to everybody I got up and I said what's going to happen is people are going to go offshore and they're going to just oh yeah create mechanisms and and ecosystems that are really viable Indiegogo was known as a crowdfunding portal mm-hmm. a, a site that actually you you get the money you raise. You go for the goal. Yeah. So if you raise fifty thousand out of a hundred, you get it. You don't lose it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So I guess my whole point is that standards are meant to be changed right. as transformation and evolution happen, and better ways of doing things and more effective ways of doing things become available. Yeah. But when they're used as a block to have a stronghold over industry and hold territoriality, that's when you have innovation stifled. That's when you have entrepreneurship stifled, Well, not right? only, not only that. And exploration. But, you know, somebody, somebody deviously takes advantage of a situation the way it is, okay? And so they cheat. One person does this. You have a thousand people donating but one person finds a way to cheat all of a sudden they have to make new regulations to govern the other thousand people that you know the regulation governs the other thousand people to keep that one person from cheating slows the process complicates the process and uh, yeah it slows it it complicates it but it also completely stifles the 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 circulation And the evolution and transformation of whatever that thing is. A lot of times. A lot of times. So in terms of the in terms of what can we learn from the Ocean Gate scenario, the disaster, I think one has to do with their advanced methods for search and rescue and what you're offering and how you train people. Yes, for, with dowsing and with controlled remote viewing and right. in combination if people wanted to do it, if they were good enough. But at the very least, they could learn how to douse and help. Oh, yeah. uh, that So I'm going to say this because from my experience of dowsing and my experience of controlled remote viewing, uh, it's clear to me that everything is locatable. In time and space. In time and space and identifiable with specificity. Yeah. Um, I remember touching an object years ago before I left for Europe. And I had to describe, describe where it was, what it was, what came in the detail of it. I described it. I'm not bragging, but I shocked myself. I described it exactly where it was. Right. Uh Uh-huh. You know, um, without even knowing anything about it, right. and so I know just by tele—is it telekinesis or is it what do you call that when you touch something? Well, and, that's that's an oversimplification. The fact right, is, it's oversimplified, but everything has energy and everything has some type well, that's of an oversimplification information, too. right? Yeah, 
if you want to get down to the real fact of it, yeah, every please. explanation for what's going on is, is not a theory, it. Is a theory. Yes. All we know is that it works. That's the only fact that we know that with the training, the, the human mind can do this. The means, how it does it, everybody has a theory. They hang on to their theory like they're lost at sea, and it's the only thing that floats. They will not let go of it. <laughs> except for one thing, except for one thing in your training and in, in what I've read and learned about controlled remote viewing is that the mind is not what we think it is at all. Absolutely. I mean, the core, the core, yeah. I mean, for, for the public to be interested in this, they they have to understand or they have to receive the fact that the mind is not the brain and it's not what we think it is. That's right. And that everything right. we've been told about it is incomplete, if but not then, wrong, incomplete. But then they want to know, well, what is the answer? And so people giving them all these different answers and the answers they give are just theories. Right, but you the know what? Truth of it That's is, true. We don't know. You know, but you know one thing that you do tell. You do tell, and that is you do tell about the subconscious mind. Oh yeah, we know the that there's the mind, mind and there's the subconscious involved. mind. But but even right. learning about the subconscious mind for me to me mm. is so remarkable, is so stunning, it's so exciting, and there's so much that can be done there yeah. that even if that's all people know. And then they learn the protocol, whether it's oh, yeah. dousing or we controlled have, remote viewing. We, we, you we have teach, an expeditious process. Right. We teach one exercise. It's called the ambiance exercise. And it's based on the sake nojitsu. And we tell people, if you take this training and then you never practice the remote viewing, still do this one specific thing that will is in what we call stage one because it will keep your mind open to the universe. If you don't do that, do the ambiance exercise, because it will make you aware of everything around you. And, uh, and you will see things that are right in front of other people's eyes. They don't see them. You'll understand things that people hear and and they don't understand the implications of it and all that and you will get the full implications of it and uh yeah this one exercise called the ambience exercise is exactly what you're talking about uh that one thing if you take the training and never become a remote viewer that one exercise is going to change your life, life. altering life altering totally life altering yeah and it's based basically on the ninjutsu. Do you think that regulations are going to change with regard to submersibles now and it's going to be outlawed? Oh, I don't think it'll be outlawed, but I think it, regulations will come. Because you know? this was done in, in you know international waters where that were not regulated also, by the way, right. FYI. Which means that regulations may come for international waters. Mm -hmm. And that <laughs> that is going to have political and financial implications that go beyond what the average person will ever hear about. 
It's been a pleasure to talk with you, Lynn Buchanan, I'm from Problem sure Solutions and <laughs> Innovations. <I'm> not, <laughs> it's a solemn I'm not note. Sure it never is a pleasure <laughs> to talk to me. <laughs> well, for those of you who um, have uh, listened or watched anything from its rainmaking time, I'm having a fun, uh, very fun, enjoyable time doing commentaries on unusual subjects that I've n- not tackled. And um, sometimes when you do commentaries like that, there's a vulnerability that's very different than talking with somebody as a guest. But I thought I would do uh, a commentary at the beginning and opening and then open it up to Lynn in particular because of his advanced work in the area of search and rescue, but also um, in, in finding anything. Uh, he can find anything and describe it and has incredible people on his team, and he's a great teacher. And on behalf of Ocean Gate's um, uh, purpose and mission, I, I'm sorry what happened, and I'm sorry oh, that for yeah. the loss of, of, of everyone's life and for the short-sightedness, and um, I'm sorry for the lack of disclosure from their CEO and founder. And let that be the lesson to the public that great ambition without the maturity to steward it, it's, right. it's not workable. Thank you very much. And for those of you who enjoy It's Rainmaking Time, I ask that you share the show and share the commentary and comment. Comments help. We're working on something for the future uh, to communicate into a network. And so I very rarely do any work on the big platforms that we all know of. I'm on Twitter, but I'm very rarely on YouTube. And for reasons I think we all understand, and if you don't see very much happening there, it's just because I post what's there once, and then I set it free. But stay tuned, because we'll have our own platform soon. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lynn. God bless you. It's rain-making time. Good talking to you, too. Bye-bye.